Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, introducing your host, L. Russ. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we have Dr. Gary Forsman of middlepathmedicine.com, a regular contributor to our podcast. We're here to talk today about vaccines and all of the uh, issues and benefits behind such a subject. Welcome to the show. It's so good to be with you, Al. Thanks for coming back. So this area of vaccines has been such a controversial topic for for many years. Even recently, in in um, one of the you know the political campaign, someone did mention something where you know Trump had made a comment about uh, vaccines causing autism, and then he saw it happen. Then there was a, re- a report saying that was a lie out of his mouth. But we do know there are people who have that belief. There are, are celebrities out there like Jenny McCarthy who firmly believe that this is why her son was given autism. So let's, before we get into all of those subjects around vaccines, can you just start off with the basics? Let us know, like when this was invented, because I know as a doctor, you used to say that this was one of the things you guys thought was just a miracle of medicine. And it seems to be the case, but can you explain like what actually is a vaccine and the philosophy behind like how that was the medical philosophy behind how such a thing was created? Of course I can, and 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 Al, as you know, and for your viewers out there, uh, I am an internal medicine physician. I was a assistant clinical professor at UC Irvine, and uh, I went to University of Florida Medical School and was part of this thing called a junior honors medical program. And the only reason to bring that up is, and one of the few doctors who actually had extensive training in terms of how to read research articles, because uh, most doctors don't. And so now this kind of dovetails into our discussion on the paleothyroid solution, which was, you know, and and I promise I'm actually answering your question, L, but you know, I'd like to answer it in my own way. Um, <laughs> and so what is a doctor comes to the first thing. And we've talked about that most doctors have become prescriptionists, meaning they are dispensers of prescriptions. As just as we've talked about with many pharmacists today, they really aren't truly pharmacists as much as they are dispensaries. They dispense that the drugs that the the that the, the the people get. And that's a good way of understanding most pharmacists, certainly not all of them, is they dispense the drugs created by a drug company. Now the first understanding for everybody out there is a vaccine is a drug. It's in a drug that you don't necessarily think of that way because it but it is, I promise you, it is a drug that your doctor dispenses to you. And just the way we have seen with most pharmacists becoming, they just dispense the drug that the drug company gives them, no matter how good or bad it isn't, it's just they're required to. The average physician, and this is about 99% of the doctors out there, actually do not question the authority of the government bodies that say, we are supposed to dispense these uh, these vaccines to you. This is especially true for our pediatricians who have been so indoctrinated into, into a system where they dispense vaccines without thinking about it. And it's very important for everybody to understand that is that the average physician doesn't understand science. 
They are not scientists. They are just, they dispense things. The same thing we talked about that existed with the thyroid medicines. Why do doctors only give Synthroid is because they've been indoctrinated. That's the only option, although it's not true. And as I'm seeing from people around the country, this is true everywhere in our country, the doctors have the same party line. This is the only test we do, T4, TSH. This is the only drug we give. Who cares about thyroid antibodies? It dovetails very much into this issue about what is a vaccine, which is a vaccine is a drug. A vaccine is, and, and I, if you don't mind, I really think we should go back to this because it goes into the very basis of medicine. In the mid-1800s, you had the germ theory of disease being brought about by Louis Pasteur. At the same time, one of the great fathers of, of medicine in general, Claude Bernard, um, is very famous for saying the germ is nothing, the terrain is everything. Okay, and Ooh, I like that quote. And so it's so important for everybody to understand at this one time uh, that Claude Bernard, and he is one of the true fathers of, of internal medicine uh, because he had entire books on the scientific method. He is actually famous for doing vivisection, which is not going to be popular among people, meaning that's experimenting on animals. Uh, um, his actually ex-wife became a famous anti-vivisectionist because he did it to their own dog. Um, so, <laughs> oh my God, there's a whole so, movie on that so, book right so there. That, yeah, so Claude, Claude was a very fascinating individual, but devoted to the scientific method. And so Claude Bernard, excuse me. And so it's very important to understand that as one of the, the great minds of scientific medicine essentially has been forgotten, okay, uh, other, other than these, these famous things. Um, and at, on Pasteur's deathbed, he, Louis Pasteur was famous for actually saying on his deathbed, deathbed, now of course he said this in French, but basically he said that Claude Bernard was right. The germ is nothing and the terrain is everything. Now, that's interesting how far we have gotten from that concept because in truth, neither theory is completely accurate. There is the germ out there and the germ can be a virus. It can be a bacteria. It can be a yeast. We could go on and on about the different quote unquote microbes out in the world. Okay. But what happened because of the beginning of the vaccination um, uh, concept is that these organisms would come into our body, cause a disease, and if we could just simulate that infection and help prevent it, we would be doing profound good for, for humanity. And Louis Pasteur, I think, very much wanted to do good when he started down this vaccine pathway. And what vaccines actually do is a combination of a uh, either a live virus, an attenuated virus, a viral protein, or remember, there's bacterial toxins as part of the pertussis vaccines. The, the pneumococcal vaccines use a certain polysaccharide coating of the bacteria. There's a variety of things that are in there, but the most important thing that everybody has to understand that a vaccine is a polypharmacy drug, okay? It includes sometimes lethal doses when I say lethal, these things have been shown to kill people. Mercury, aluminum, uh, uh, polysorbate 20, a whole variety, and all the egg proteins, all the other um, ad things that are present within the cell culture are all being directly injected into our bodies. So actually, this is one of the most complex drugs, a vaccine, that humans have ever seen. That's the most important understanding because when you take ibuprofen, you are probably taking one drug, a few fillers, and a few dyes, okay? When you're injecting drugs into yourself, and this is truly a drug injection, and it's important to understand that, 
It's a drug injection. A vaccine is a drug injection meant to get a stereotypical immune response. That is what a vaccine is supposed to do. It is supposed to take an L. I think you know this already, but there's two basic arms of our immune system. The innate immunity, meaning things we're inherently born with that don't need training, essentially. And then the acquired immunity, which is when we get exposed to something, we are developing especially an antibody response. It is much more complicated this than that's basic truth. What we're looking for with a vaccine is to develop an antibody response versus the antigen, meaning the the attenuated virus. The flu vaccine is the simplest one to use in terms of a, a certain virus that's circulating in the environment that we're meant to get a, an attenuated virus, a virus that won't kill you, um, and develop an antibody response for this in hopes of preventing the flu. Now, of course, we could say that about almost any vaccine. So what we're getting is... So let me interrupt and just say the philosophy, uh, give me a little bit of a layman's, uh, so the flu, um, or actually, you know what, since that sort of can probably change in the strain and everything, let's just talk about something simple, like for example, typhoid. So I'm going to Africa, right? I get this typhoid vaccine. So what is it doing? Does it take the actual typhoid virus and then they create what antibodies to it from there and inject me with it? Well, typhoid is a, is actually bacteria, and it's using a capsular antigen. So you're developing a, a meant to develop, um, and there's a oral typhoid. There's an injectable typhoid. Actually, it's more complicated than you think. Um, and so the so or and vaccines, excuse me. And so so you're meant to develop a stereotypical response against that antigen, which in this case is a um, a part of a bacterial coating that you, helps it develop an antibody response. So you, if you get exposed in the future to Salmonella typhi, the, causer, the causative bacteria of typhoid fever, you will, you will fight it off before you become diseased. Okay. And that's what we're meant to do. Now, now let's remember, we go back to this original thing that, that all these organisms in the world have been out there since the beginning of time. And I want to emphasize, and they always will be. Okay. Now, because what we had back at the time, and this is very important when we don't understand the terrain is everything. Let's look at that, that model is what we've all lost is we have been sold so much fear over everything. And you know, this is present in the world today that if you're, um, you're afraid of Muslims, if you're afraid of terrorists, if you're afraid of, of, of the flu, if you're afraid of measles, we have to protect you against it. When these things are always going to be there, and this is the most important, the more you attack the things you're afraid of, the more virulent they become. And that's exactly what we have seen. And so, so when, when Louis Pasteur was recognizing in the end that this attack on these wild, born, wild native type viruses of things, many of the things we have done in terms of creating, trying to create vaccines have created more and more problems. And so, you know, and this goes back into why are we having an immunization schedule that when I was born in 1962, we got about five vaccines. Now, today, um, if you're born, you're going to get something like 72 vaccinations. So, huh, this is fascinating. Is that well, because... And, and my, philosophy, my, my thought here, I want to interrupt, is when I hear that, because I, I know that's true, when I was young, it was like polio, mumps, measles, right? Like, rebel, like you just had a, a little basic panel, and I know that it's crazy now, and I know a lot of people that are anti-vaccines are fighting for a more 
more conservative schedule. My thing would be, I mean, I would look at like a little six month old baby and I'd go, why are you inoculating? Why are we doing hep B and hep C? Like, why are you inoculating this tiny little immune system that hasn't even a chance yet, right? I mean, that that would be my kind of philosophy behind it. Like, here's this young immune system going. Why are you pummeling it all at once with this? That to me just doesn't make logical sense. Because it doesn't. Okay. And this is the, the <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so that was really easy, huh, Al? And I actually can answer questions in a very brief way. Um, <laughs> the, 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 Great amazement to me is how all the the CDCs and all the organizations who are out promoting vaccines do it with this religious fervor. Okay, and whenever I see religious fervor, it's always a red flag that something's not true. Okay, and so they do this without any science to support them. The current vaccine schedule is not supported by any logical science. Okay. And this gets into the dark side of medicine, so I don't know how much you actually want to put on this, this, this series, but you know, it really gets into we have lost – and let me actually put it in the, this bigger picture. Just like in the world, we tend to have seemed to have lost diplomacy. It's all about attacking, especially the military buildup at sea in the world. In medicine, we're all about attacking the things that we see as attacking us viruses, bacteria, antibiotics, uh, you know, all these other things. And of course, now we're turning our attention on our own genes like we are supposed to attack them too, okay? That our genes are what the things that are betraying us. And so we have this very misguided, very male-oriented form of medicine, which is the attack form of medicine. Very little terrain medicine, which is more classically the feminine version of medicine. Actually, it's very well understood in the vaccine world since mainly it's moms that are questioning that vaccines. The Probably the greatest form of misogyny still present in medicine is the doctor belittling the mom because she's just a woman. And that's how we attack. Or a new mother, right? Exactly. Like, oh, you're just, you're just new at this. You don't know what you're so doing. so many moms are being called murderers if they don't vaccine vaccinate their kids. Um, the, the, any doctor who is questioning vaccines is considered of trying to kill children. Okay. Now this is very fascinating. When you hear this verbiage, even coming from our CDC, you know that there's a, you know, they're wrong. And so, you know, the, this goes back to the sheep. I mean, think she doth protest too much whenever, as you, I think, you know, I got involved in vaccines because it was one of my sacred, truly sacred cows of medicine, which was vaccines are just great. And then when doctors started, you know, going into this whole thing, you have to vaccinate yourself. The thing that happened after the measles vaccine, where we're starting to mandate vaccines, you know it can't be right. And, and this is a very simple truth in medicine. Whenever you see these kinds of things, something so unethical as mandation of vaccines, and it's always guised and couched under the concept of helping people or herd immunity or all this nonsense that's been proven to be untrue, we know we have something horribly going wrong because this is exactly what happened before Nuremberg and everything else is we just say, this is what we can do to you. And it's almost endless what we can do to, do to people. There's a, a movie out there called Vaccination Syndrome, which is what they do are doing still to our this day with the anthrax vaccine in our military. They're mandating because you will get court-martialed if you don't do the anthrax vaccine. Okay, and the anthrax vaccine has killed at least known 35,000 of our military personnel and has injured a million without any proof. Holy smokes! Without any proof that it actually works. 
Okay. So 35,000 people have died directly from just getting the vaccine. Yeah. Oh my God. And that, and it's something like 8,000 have died during actual combat, by the way. Okay. So now this is a very important thing, everybody. If your government is willing without proof to kill 35,000 members of your military without any proof that it works, without any reason to be using this as a, and remember, our military are not allowed to, to say no to these vaccines. They will be court-martialed, et cetera. So when you look at that evidence and then you go, you know. Seems like they're using the soldiers as a little bit of a like vaccine experiment, like their trial study or something. Understood, because America has been among the countries, along with Japan, et cetera, who've weaponized anthrax. We know it's a threat. So why are we forcing it? Because we know we've we've actually helped create an anthrax. When I say weaponized anthrax, it's a antibiotic resistant version of anthrax. So that when we air, when it's airborne, the option of treating it and making it is going to be very limited. So let's say, like, since since our country is one, of this listen to what what Donald Trump said. It's very rarely that I'll ever actually say that to anybody. Um, but he said when it was asked by Bill O'Reilly about Putin being a killer, he said we're killers too. And so he, he, there's at least some recognition out there that what we're doing isn't necessarily ethical and what our government does isn't necessarily ethical. And this isn't absolutely has nothing to do with conspiracy theory. It's just objectively true. This takes us straight to the CDC. Okay. So remember, where are these vaccine recommendations coming from? So first of all, we have, it's very important, and I know I speak too fast, so I'll slow down, that we understand there's this imbalance in medicine where we are just forgetting the Claude Bernards, the great French physiologies, and saying the terrain is everything. That isn't completely true, by the way, people. The terrain is just the most important thing because, of course, sometimes the bacteria or virus is so dangerous we do need to vaccinate, okay? But the key, of course, is that we need to develop the terrain. That's the human being, of course. And most of the organisms out there, and there's so much great evidence that and, and L, I think you know this. What we are as a in your body, you are ninety nine percent other things and one percent you. Okay, right? You are ninety nine percent organisms. Your your body right now. Okay, and one percent L. Right. Okay, L is who you think of her. Okay, so you're an ecosystem. Right. My brain and my identification. Right. You're an ecosystem. You are an ecosystem of all kinds of things, including bad bacteria inside of you bad yeast inside of you, viruses that you've caught from childhood on, you're an ecosystem. So this idea that we always have to attack the things out there that quote unquote aren't good, which of course this is a label, the good and what we call good and evil in this world, and there's very little agreement on. And so, but these, the most important thing to understand is these organisms are all out there trying to educate us about things that are going in the world, going on in the world. There is actually roles. Let's use the flu, the influenza as an example. Influenza, the virus, okay, does help educate your immune system. It makes it stronger. People who have more febrile, sorry, that's an illness with a fever, um, febrile illnesses actually have lower rates of cancer long-term. So is the role of infectious disease to help actually help you? Okay. Um, and, and by the way, I don't have the answer to that question, but it's a good one. So if you start asking, are most of the infections that we get exposed to meant to educate our immune system, make us stronger? Remember the old saying, if it doesn't kill me, it only makes me stronger. Right. 
The problem is we're all being sold, oh my gosh, if I get measles, I'm going to die, which is categorically untrue if you're healthy, okay? The terrain is everything. Um, and so we know that if we build up our innate immunity, and, and oh, I'm, I know you know these things, and hopefully most of our readers out there, how do you develop your innate immunity, make it stronger? We manage stress, okay? Number one, stress is the primary causer of disease. We eat a paleo-type diet. We eat whole, real foods. Every time you eat any food, your greens, your things from your garden that you don't overly wash, you are educating your you're, you're educating your metabolome, your entire microbiome. I'm sorry, that means the bacteria and everything else in you. You're educating yourself about the world out there so that you can be healthier. So we eat these whole food diets and it'll cut out all the processed foods with all their inherent chemicals, okay? And of course we exercise. Uh, everybody out there understands already. Our crowd knows that exercise, not over-exercise, moderate exercise. Uh, Mark has done a great job of pointing out the problems with marathon running, et cetera. Um, we exercise in moderation, and now we have this incredibly healthy immune system as long as we also do some supplementation. Extra vitamin C is very important. Vitamin D, you know, I've talked about this, and all of our listeners out there know if there's one thing you can do is take enough vitamin D to get your level in, uh, on your blood test from 70 to 90, whether that's 2,000 units or 20,000 units. But vitamin D is one of the greatest activators of your body's natural innate immune system. It makes – vitamin D interacts with your macrophages to create antiviral proteins, which help you fight off all these infections. So if you have adequate levels around and you boost dosages, you can do so much to modify the effects of getting any of these infections. Okay, So important to understand that. So as we talk about vaccines, we have to talk about the terrain because why are we so afraid of everything? Why are we giving our poor children 72 brain-damaging vaccines? It's because we're afraid, okay? It's, it's, it's yeah, very— let me, let me ask you about—I um, totally see that. And uh, let me ask you about the flu shot, and we'll get into some other things that can go wrong. So this is just—again, this is not like a medical, <laughs> medical scientifically-based study, but everybody, no joke, that I have ever met a friend of mine that gets flu shots, they get the flu every year. I've never gotten a flu shot, and I haven't gotten the flu in like 20 years. So I just—I wonder about that is— can the flu shot cause the flu? What What's happening there? What's up with that? Why does somebody who get the flu shot still then get sick that year? So once again, everybody out there who dis decides against vaccines, just remember all of the research, all of it supports your viewpoint. Scientific research tells us, and I promise I'm answering your question, L. If you look at the, go to the CDC website right now, the most important understanding for everybody is the CDC basically buys and sells four to five billion dollars a year in vaccines. Vaccine safety has to be taken outside of the CDC. We cannot do it here because we have too many inherent biases. And this has been, this is actually scientific fact. It's actually everywhere. We have too many biases to allow the CDC to actually make recommendations of any kind regarding vaccines. And it starts with a flu vaccine, okay? Almost everybody knows that the mercury-containing preservative, thimerosal, is dangerous, at the very least ineffective, okay? So 
This is very important. My, okay, my, and I know that you said that before. I guess before you even answer the mercury and what it can do and why it can screw someone up, why would they use it? Why would they use that versus something else? Is there another option to use in the vaccine and they just don't? There are better preservatives, okay? There are better preservatives than thimerosal because they mean they work better. The idea of a preservative, everybody, um, is to make sure no other infection grows within the vaccine so we're not injecting something in ourselves. So as we remember, when we were a kid, we used to put methylate on our our skin. That was taken off the market. You know why? Because mercury's freaking dangerous, okay? Okay. Why was the well, right. why was so the why are they using taken, mercury? Why was the Marisol taken out of eye drops? It's freaking dangerous. So now we inject it directly into our baby's brains. Now there's the Marisol has been primarily taken out of out of the vaccine world, except for the flu vaccine. Okay, that's why the flu vaccine is such a great example of the horror of all of our medical recommendations because there's a mythology around it. The doctors have been sold. 50% decrease in all cause mortality, all kinds of absolute incredible bullshit. Oh, I don't know if I can say that, but anyways. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> but but you can on, say that. <laughs> on that order, the flu vaccine is actually the best one to think of. I actually have three articles on our website, middlepathmedicine.com, that just reviews the Cochrane database. And I promise this is answering your question. The Cochrane library or the Cochrane database is the best resource for overviews of unbiased publications on anything, actually, including statin drugs. You should read that one, too. And you can go on the PubMed and actually, and on my articles, I have the PubMed ID number, so you can look up all this research, okay, and look at what the the international world, the review of all research on flu vaccine shows. And I'm going to br- very briefly summarize it. Now, and remember, going back to this, the flu vaccine still contains an ineffective preservative, thimerosal, by the way, which you could put a better one in there, but it would just cost more to make. Okay. That's the answer. Why don't, why, why is it still used? And the answer is because it would make the vaccines more expensive. Okay. So it's still in there. And this is the beauty of it, everybody. You got to listen to this. It's been shown between the age of six months and two years that the flu vaccine has no effect whatsoever. It doesn't do a single thing. Okay. It's shown to be the age of two years and 18 years, the flu vaccine does prevent a certain degree and actually a significant amount of the true influenza virus um, that's circulating in the area. So if it's a well-matched vaccine to the circulating virus that year, it will prevent that flu. Because we're going to get to your other question about how it seems like people get more flu. But it doesn't do anything in terms of morbidities. And this is important. When you do a vaccine, the goal is to prevent complicated illness, not to prevent the infection itself. It's to make sure it doesn't kill you, basically. It doesn't cause meningitis. It doesn't cause disability. The vaccine unequivocally doesn't do any of those things. It might lead to a fewer days. Uh, again, uh, the amount of people, a very small decrease in the amount of days missed from school. That might be one benefit from the flu vaccine between 2 to 18. From 18 to 65, 65 on, it's unequivocal that the vaccine doesn't do anything good. And here's the most important part. It could possibly doing a ton of harm, probably because of the year. So this is the important thing. Our CDC recommends a yearly vaccine with a thimerosal-containing vaccine called the flu vaccine from six months until end of life. When I started my career, we only recommended it over the age of 65, by the way. So why is it to every single person now, really from six months on, when it hasn't been shown 
at all to prevent any complications of disease. And here's the big one, because Elle, your question was perfect. It's unequivocal that when we have, almost everybody knows that there's a seasonal variation to respiratory illnesses, okay? So things that people call the flu, maybe 10% of the time when somebody thinks they have the flu, 90% of the time they have something other than the flu, okay? So most people who think they have the flu don't. So when the, answering your first question, the um, problem comes from this very fact is that when people get the flu vaccine, it causes a brief suppression in their immune system against all those other, the most common viruses being spread in the, in the environment that day, those at that day, the time of the flu vaccine. There will be a, a slightly lower rate of catching true influenza, but maybe up to a fourfold to sixfold increase in catching respiratory illnesses. Ah, uh, that's what it is. So they like get a really bad cold. They get sick because that's that's kind of my experience is that someone's under the weather. They're actually not getting the flu. Right, but they're getting sick. They've suppressed their immune system. This is very important, people. This vaccine suppresses your immunity against the most common things going around there that day, and that causes more infections. And you want to hear how brilliant it gets. We know this is fact, but we require everybody in the hospital to get the flu vaccine so that we will supposedly pr protect our patients when, in fact, we're fourfold to sixfold increasing the rate of disease we're transmitting in the hospital. And that's mandated by your government. Well, and this goes right into how, you know, Western medicine is the third leading cause of death. I mean, I guess, you know, we're just. We talk about this. Yeah. Again and again, and everybody, including myself up to a few years ago, everybody, when I'm sound passionate about these things, it's because most of the times we think our doctors are trying to protect us. I don't think the 99% of doctors who continue to just mindlessly follow the recommendations of the CDC are actually trying to hurt you. They just don't know any better for some reason. It's the same reason that the doctors should know how to do better thyroid testing, L. They just don't seem to be interested in it. Um, and so this goes into the orthodoxy of Western medicine. As you know, I've talked about Western medicine as primarily a belief system. It's almost devoid of science from what I can see, okay? Um, and so, so when we look at this, the flu vaccine is a perfect example. If you go on the CDC website, it's like pictures of little babies that are supposed to, you're supposed to be giving flu vaccines, okay, when it's been scientifically proven to not work and has at least the possibility of being horrifically dangerous, okay? Okay, let's talk about the flu shot still for a second, and I want to move on to something else in a minute, but so let's talk about the flu shot. So I get the flu shot. Uh, it may, you know, protect me from the influenza, but now let's say I catch a cold because my immune system now has been weakened to something else, right? Okay, I see how, how that angle works, but what can go wrong or where does the mercury in like is are people affected in that way and and how are they affected remember it's so many different things people so when somebody has a violent reaction against any vaccine including the flu um, the thing that you're talking about earlier about higher rates of disease, that's actually just suppressing your immune system, getting more inf more infections, which just makes sense. Um, and so the next part of it goes into the actual drug reaction, because I want everybody out there to remember vaccines are drugs. That's all they are. OK, and it should be a conscious choice to put any drug into your body. That seems like a fairly logical thing. So I'm not trying to make ibuprofen illegal. I just want you to understand its risks and benefits before you take some ibuprofen. 
It would be even more important to understand the risks and benefits when you inject a drug into yourself. This drug not just has mercury, that's the flu vaccine. It has aluminum, it has other egg proteins, it has neomycin and genomycin, these antibiotics. It has so many things in there. And wow, if I'm going to inject that powerful a drug, if I'm going to evade my gastrointestinal tract and all other levels of defenses against these toxins and directly inject them into my body, bypassing my defense mechanisms, I damn well better have a great reason to do that, okay? And we already talked about the world literature and just sticking with a flu vaccine shows no benefit to the flu vaccine whatsoever. You have to get past these things called healthy selection biases and frailty biases. And there's so many reasons you have to actually know how to read research, which is the people at Cochrane Database do. So there's zero benefit, okay? We are actually creating more disease. And think about it, people. We have a multi-billion dollar industry that can at least not work, that's the hope, or harm you, which is actually probably the further hope so you can go to the hospital and take more drugs. We have this kind of collective idea that we're going to do this thing to protect ourselves because we've been told to be afraid of the flu. And be clear, once again, if you go on to any news station, and this is one area where you can actually say in the medical world it's all media, let's step back just for a second because this is very important. On the order of 70 to 80% of the money, advertising money going into our um, news stations and, excuse me, all networks comes from the pharmaceutical industry. They hold enormous sway over whatever you try to say about vaccines, especially because that's the biggest multi-billion dollar industry that they have. And actually, let's step one, one step further back. Since 1986, our drug companies have been indemnified, meaning, meaning immunized against any and all liability for even flaws of design of their vaccines. Okay, so, so for some 30 years now, the vaccine industry is completely indemnified. They can do the most horrible things to all of humanity, and they will not be held responsible for it. That's what our government said. 1986, there was complaints about DPT vaccines. The, the drug companies threatened to stop making vaccines. For the sake of public health, our government decided to take the drug companies and make them absolutely without liability for any problems a vaccine ever occurred. Okay, We know that through the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, and this is called the Vaccination Act of 1986. Not too surprisingly, since 1986, a huge shift has gone towards making more vaccines because this is an industry, and this is very important for everybody to understand, they have no liability in. And I promise this is a very important discussion because they, uh, Merck, for instance, when they, actually, let me take that away. Just the drug Vioxx, I think it was Merck who made them, but it doesn't matter who. The drug Vioxx was known to be able to kill so many people. The drug Vioxx, by the way, killed 100,000 people that we're aware of in our country, Okay. The data that it would do that was already out there. And remember, this is for a drug that the companies knew they would have liability, and they still did it anyways because they thought that they would still make more money than they would lose in the lawsuits over killing that many people. So, okay, you know, that's so funny. That sounds exactly like the 73 Ford Pinto case, right? All exactly these people like are dying. And yeah, they're all dying. And they're like, you know what? It's actually going to cost us less to settle with these people right. than it would be to actually like fix a problem and save more lives. That's so exactly what it's this is. a cost it's, benefit analysis and it's horrible right. business ethics is and, what it is. And, yeah. and you got to understand that everybody out there. 
that even when there's horrific multi-million dollar penalties to be paid, they're willing to take out 100,000 Americans, okay? Now we have an entire industry where there's no liability whatsoever. They can do absolutely anything in the world to you <laughs> in these vaccines and have no liability whatsoever for it. That like I can't, I can't sue them for the poisoning or something that happened to me from mercury. And it's been okay. well understood that the VAERS um, vaccine adverse event reporting system is almost criminally vicious to anybody who tries to report a vaccine injury. It takes around 10 years of litigation in the most obvious of cases when, you know, you get an injury, your kid becomes brain damaged. Oh, and by the way, it's actually been paid out to hundreds of people that vaccines cause brain damage. They will not use the word autism, okay, but they do recognize that vaccines cause brain damage. Okay, so 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 there. So the brain damage is quote sort of autism without saying the word is what you're saying. Correct. Okay, they won't use the word because that would be bad. Okay, okay let's but- let's talk about real quick, and I and I get that because we understand. I mean, I think it's pretty clear, like the politics, the money behind drug companies. I mean, we're all aware of, and if this is insane that there's no liability. That's really crazy and makes total sense now. But let's talk about the autism thing. So, for example, what in it? Is it the mercury and the the toxins in the actual vaccine that is affecting someone to bring about autism? Can you explain what that connection is? Right. So this is a this is what people don't want to hear. This isn't as easy as Jenny McCarthy, and I know she went through was horrible with the MMR. It isn't as easy as saying the MMR causes all vaccines. I think we've proven that the MMR. I'm sorry, the MMR causes all autism. I, I misspeak. It's not that easy. What's MMR? Oh, MMR is the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. It became a worldwide news. Dr. Wakefield in England and all these other things that was supposedly debunked. It wasn't everybody. Um, but the entire news networks went on the entire um, uh, vendetta. He's another perfect example of, and I promise we're answering your question. If you ever look up Dr. Wakefield, he's been vilified in the public. Every news station in the world, how he falsified that, he did everything else. He did nothing of the sort, by the way. The pharmaceutical industry came after him because he 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 actually just questioned whether the MMR was safe because he had a series of reports of kids with damage due to the MMR. And so the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine became the Jenny McCarthy and a few other people there. The rallying cry is the cause for autism. And then unfortunately, it's much more complicated than that. It's more complicated than thimerosal. It's more complicated than aluminum. Um, there is entire textbooks, by the way, that, I, that I've read um, for court cases and other things called vaccines and autoimmunity. And so this, this is a much deeper problem than neurological injury. It has to do with shifting our immune system towards allerg- allergic and autoimmune disease that is epidemic in our society. So the reason the vaccines can cause so much damage is, number one, the amount that we're giving, okay? You pointed out there are the giving hepatitis B vaccine from to neonates. Talk about criminally. It should be criminally liable to do such an act of kind of vicious attack upon our children because our children, and this is up, be clear, moms are screened for hepatitis B. If the mom has hepatitis B, her kid should get a hepatitis B vaccine. That's very uncommon in our country, okay? I'm talking about the mass use of hepatitis B vaccines to all children, okay? From, from infancy, I'm talking about from birth onwards, okay? A vaccine against a virus, they will never go get unless they start up IV drug use right away. Um, <laughs> you know, so many other things. So, 
So why are we giving? And this is what people have to understand. If you just step back, you take a breath, and you look at the what our vaccine policy is, it's it's criminal. It's it's and especially the mandation of, of measles vaccines in the state of California. When we look at this, you have to go wonder what is going on here. Okay. And we know from the CDC, and this kind of ties back into the original thing, that the CDC has become a vaccine dispensing drug company. Okay. So just like so many other influences in the environment, if you're the one buying and selling something, you're not the one who's best to, to, to do the safety profiling of it. So we have to take that away from the CDC because they're no longer an unbiased uh, source of information. Sorry, everybody. Um, but they're the ones who are behind all the vaccine recommendations, basically the drug companies who make the vaccines. So the first thing kind of goes into this vaccine epidemic, as it's been called. The epidemic, of course, in terms of autism spectrum disorder, we understand that the rate was one in 10,000 for most most of our genetic history. So number one, going up, the people who want to look for a genetic cause for autism, there's genetic predispositions, of course, okay? That's entirely an environmental illness. We know really from the 80s on upward, and this is the frightening number, everybody, okay? The recognized number has gone from one in 10,000 to one in 78. That's the record, the number that, that uh, the CDC recognizes currently. Of incidences. Of incidence of autism spectrum disorder. So Somehow, right, and the only thing that's really changed, other than diet in our society, of course, has been the vaccine. Yeah, and especially the current vaccine schedule. And this is really important with biologically plausible and neurotoxins. That includes aluminum. That includes mercury, but it also includes a system where the, remember the intent of the vaccine is really essentially to trigger an immune response. You put in a certain, let's just stick with the, that uh, influenza virus. You put in a certain strain of attenuated virus, okay? The virus has been killed, okay? Um, attenuated viruses are the, the, have been um, made weaker. This is a killed virus, okay? So you, you make a vaccine from this, so you can't get the infection from the vaccine. That's a very important thing to understand, okay? But you're meant to trigger an immune response. The immune response is very rarely... And basically, almost never enough if you just use the virus itself. So you put in things called adjuvants. Adjuvants are meant to irritate the immune system. That's their job. Okay. So let's focus on aluminum, which is the biggest, you know, buzz around in terms of dangers. Aluminum is meant to basically irritate your immune system in the face of this virus, so that you get a bigger immune response. And it does occur, of course. The problem is, is that it shoots directly into the brain. Um, Robert Kennedy did a great, and anybody who wants to look up the research, um, he did a book, book called Thimerosal, Let the Science Speak, which I recommend to all people. Um, uh, he actually has a, a website, I should look it up for you guys, um, about the world mercury issues. But again, it's, it's focuses too much on one thing from my perspective, because Thimerosal can do it, um, uh, aluminum can do it. It really comes down to causing a brain inflammation. So the goal of these things is to cause inflammation and the what's called microglial activation. Sorry, people, but it's what occurs. It's inflammation in the brain. So we know that especially the thimerosal 
profoundly gets into the brain more than the mercury that we get from our diet and from fish and all the other horrible sources we can get from mercury and causes a direct irritation to the brain itself, which gives a plausible mechanism, especially with repeated dosing. That's I cannot emphasize that enough, along with aluminum, along with many proteins that are foreign to our system that can cause any number of these things can cause the activation and cause cerebral, sorry, brain inflammation. And then when we see all the brain damaging diseases, and this goes to OCD and ADD and all the ticks, all the other neurological disorders that are on such an enormous upswing, we are giving, without biologically plausible reasons, a series of vaccines that can only harm, and we're saying, well, gosh, we don't have enough evidence to prove that these things are doing it. Let's just keep, it, keep doing it because of public safety, right? Um, well, or, the, so or the action appearance of public safety, uh, clearly. Exactly. How else can you sell something so horrible to people? Well, so then okay. this is interesting to me what you're saying about, you know, the mercury, the aluminum, because then it makes sense to me when you look at, uh, well, and we'll take Jenny McCarthy, for example. She did a heavy detox on her son, did, you know, some gluten-free, did a whole bunch of stuff. And he, his improvement is, I mean, you could just watch videos. It's it's astounding. Right. Um, right. So that makes sense to me then, right? If these things are causing the problem and you're able to somehow detox from these chemicals and clear the body of it, then you may have uh, some improvement in whatever was Correct. caused. But the first step has to be that the whole yeah, Let's not give it to people to begin system. with. <laughs> Correct. The, number one, that this is what's causing it. This is a huge part of it. And of course, our horrible diet is a part of it as well. Stress in the environment, including to our children, because when we have stressed parents, their immune system, remember, think of your immune system as a circulating neurological system, because it's true, but first of all, um, <laughs> and when you're under stress, think about how we can snap, how we make more aggressive decisions when we're angry, right? And the entire world media industry is meant to make you fearful, therefore angry, okay? Um, and the more fearful you are at the time of exposure, Remember, I've, you've, I've done this example probably on our podcast before. If you're in a Zen state and somebody cuts you off on the road, you go, oh, that poor person. I hope they're okay. Exactly. If you're, <laughs> if you're in kind of your irritable state and they cut you off, you want to track them down and run them off, okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, the things that come out of my mouth in those moments are just horrible. It's <laughs> really important, people. The same stimulus, different response, okay? Now, think of your immune system the same way. There's trauma in the home. There's too many, you know, t violence on the TV. Your parents are stressed. They stress the kid. They go in for a vaccine. The same vaccine will have a much worse response, much more aggressive response if that's present in the home. Remember, I'm saying this without blaming anybody. That's not what we're talking about. So distress cause a more aggressive immune response, usually not the kind of thing that we want because we'll have too much inflammation, especially in the brain. So stress affects us, I promise you. Bring, you know, we have a whole series of articles on stress management on our website. Um, so manage stress, whole food diet. Um, even if you do decide to get vaccines for the love of all that's good in your universe, please do these things, okay? Get your kid on probiotics. Get your kid on vitamin D. Make conscious choices. Do not, do not, do not follow the recommendations from the CDC because they are there entirely for one thing, which is to feed a multi-billion dollar industry, not to protect you. Stop listening to the networks who sell fear to you. 
especially with the measles outbreak a few years ago, it was horrible how how much was made about something as simple as a measles. And so, um, so be conservative. You know, be conservative. Don't do all seventy two in the first week of a child's birth. Look at this. Any. Do some investigation. Yeah. Well, any and you know, I'm bad. Let's talk about the Sissons for a second. I was talking with Carrie Sisson about this at one point, and she said she didn't because of what she had heard. She didn't vaccinate her children until it was mandated and required when they went to college. Correct. Which is and um, that you know those kids are doing great. <laughs> Well, again, the, the later you get vaccines, the less likely they are to damage your brain. But we still have to look at, wow, sure. I, I should wait until I don't get brain damage from this. And I'll just get a little brain damage that might not even show up. That doesn't make much sense to me either. OK, so yes, right, they've actually right. shown the timing of MMR. Um, it makes a huge difference, especially for some reason in, in uh, young black children that waiting at least till after three years makes a huge difference in causing autism. And be very clear, MMR is one of the causes of autism, okay? But the later you get the vaccine, mm-hmm. the less likely you are to get autism, okay? So it's just one of them. Remember, it's much more complicated than aluminum. It's much more complicated than thimerosal. It's the multi-dose, which one of the vaccines will add up in your, whatever your genetic predisposition is among your children, that to react this way, it's the cumulative effect. This goes into when we did our talk. You remember the talk we did on breast cancer risks and things? The number one thing you can call as terms of risk for breast cancer in the world today is total xenoestrogen exposure. For, you, for those of you who didn't listen to this, uh, it's a, a wonderful understanding that BPA alone this is the thing found at the plasticizer, and we found in plastics to keep it uh, more malleable. BPA is a xenoestrogen and a chemical that acts like estrogen in the body. And it alone probably has very minimal effects in terms of breast cancer risk. However, when you add it up with all the rest of the pesticides and chemicals, you have a profound increase in risk in breast cancer, which makes it very difficult for anybody to prove any one chemical causes breast cancer. Flash forward, everybody, make the mental leap right now. It's not just one vaccine. It's not just aluminum. It's not just the Marisol. It's not just high fructose corn syrup. It's not just MSG in our kids' diet. Um, it's not just all the other artificial sweeteners still found in our children's diets. It's not any one of those things. It's some cumulative toxic burden that causes brain damage. And here's the statistics everybody needs to, even the CDC recognizes at the current rate that by 2032, which might seem a long way, that's 15 years from now, the rate for autism spectrum disorder will be 80% of boys, 20% of girls. Oh my God, that is absolutely horrible and unacceptable. Okay, so here we are, so afraid of things that your kids are never going to get, hepatitis B and all these other things. And we're not focusing. Your eye has been taken off the ball, people. Okay, <laughs> The main epidemic is autism spectrum disorder, which is a chronic degenerative disease that profoundly affects the lives of everybody involved. The parents get divorced. Their lifelong care. It goes on and on about the horror created by these this current vaccination schedule. <laughs> okay. And you... Yeah, and I, I want to um, pop in here. I have a personal experience about this. That's a personal family tragedy with the vaccine, which is why I also wanted to discuss this and uh, warn people, which is, so my niece, she's now nine, but when she was six months old, totally normal, healthy, everything's going well, she just started to crawl. They went to go get her the fourth or fifth series, who knows, of this aggressive uh, vaccination. And then two weeks later, her legs wouldn't move. That she was like paralyzed from the waist down. Um, I could 
literally start to cry thinking about this story. But the bottom line, and she's fine. She's a kid. She's n- not known any different. So she's not, you know, depressed. She's a happy child. But she she um, is going to be disabled for the rest of her life. My She has to be catheterized in order to urinate. She has to take uh, laxatives, um, you know, suppositories in order to go to the bathroom. This is uh, also provides lots of other complications with skin and her Achilles heels and the way that she walks. And it's, um, you know, it's been a really crazy journey that now affects the rest of her life. When this happened, apparently, when they did a bunch of research on this, all of the other parents who this whose children this had happened to it also happened quite soon after a vaccine the only thing we know is that she got the vaccine and then a week later they all got the flu and right. then it happened right. so i don't know if it's like oh another virus came in and entered and then perhaps be, that vaccine had weakened her i'm not sure exactly the components of it but this right. is like a lifelong serious deal now right. my niece is going to have to live with this and of course now the medical expenses of her parents and all that you can imagine involved with this she goes to shriner's hospital several times a year to get put on machines to help her walk and i mean this is really all from a damn stupid vaccination that didn't need to happen and wouldn't have happened had she had the schedule you and i had correct and and that's what and people think for some reason that our government is out there to protect us. And I'm not this is just you have to just look at the data and understand that most people they're involved in any organization. Their first thing is survival. And um, it, if you find and this is what we found from the CDC whistleblowers and things that when you find evidence that. There's a collusion going on and we're harming the public. You at first feel horrible once you find out that you're doing these things. And then you then within one day, you start defending yourself and you want to make sure nobody comes after you for doing such horrible things to the world. So I got to emphasize that that the people involved in the government in general are not bad people. They are, however, people, <laughs> and they have self-interest. So most people, when confronted with the horror of what they've been doing, I found the same thing with the horror of Western medicine. When we're prescribing drugs day in and day out that cannot work at the basis of disease, it takes a profound leap to um, get to the place where that's not the only thing you do, and you do it less and less. Remember, vaccines are drugs, people. I know if there's anything you can please take home today, it's an injectable drug that you should make a conscious decision about. That's what a vaccine is. Um, and so, and then you make that leap to say, wow, I understand that most organisms in the world are out there to help educate my immune system. And that includes your kids going out and playing in the dirt and getting exposed to things. And yes, as, and I've raised two children. Nobody ever wants your kids to be to become sick, I, I, of course. However, that's what nature does. And it's part of the education that we go through. And back to the terrain is everything. If we feed our children well, if we um, uh, give them vitamin D and some probiotics, and of course, a whole food diet, remember, that's more important than anything. We breastfeed as long as we can, okay? I mean, again, how could I even forget something so important as that? We'll, we'll have such healthy children right? Um, that we know that they'll, that they will not have to need nearly the amount of vaccines that we're being sold. I know. I love, I love this. And I really just, it's also about, it's what we talk about in the paleothyroid solution. Step up question, research, 
Research, research, research. The information is already out there in terms of warnings, right? It's not just our podcast. People know there's something about vaccines to maybe look into. So this is like, don't just listen to your doctor. Do your research. Get a few opinions before you pummel your child with 72 vaccines in the first couple of months of life. Correct. It's it's so important because this is our children. And I, you know, I, I love people at all ends, ages and spectrums and things, but the current number is, you know, about 50% of our current children have a chronic illness or are overweight. That's 50% everybody right now that have some form of chronic disease. And that includes increased rates of allergies, ADD, asthma, learning disabilities, of course, autism spectrum, and whatever is causing the obesity epidemic as well. Um, and all these things. So our kids are chronically diseased. They're the future of our country. I don't find it too surprising, by the way, that 30 years after the change and this massive vaccination, which um, is affecting the cerebral function of everybody that we ended up with the, the legacy of the current presidency, that we have people who are so living in fear and so unable to think for themselves anymore that they've chosen something so horrible. And so, um, and they aren't really choosing. This is the biggest issue is that people out there, we need to, we actually need to start making some conscious choices. There is a role for some vaccines. I would make them individually. I don't want them made illegal. So once again, it's like the like the whole thing. If you know, if you don't want, there's some truth to it, right? There's some truth to vaccines, and they're absolutely valuable. There is some truth. Every good lie has some truth to it. There, um, it's it's like the whole statin lie, right? The statin drugs have the small benefit for certain subsets of people with acute cardiovascular disease. But be very clear. They're dangerous for the vast majority of people who are receiving them. Okay, um, the uh, a lady who's done a lot of research on vaccines and she comes from M MIT. Here's another good name for everybody: is her name is Stephanie S T E P H A N I E. Last name is Senef S E N E F F. I found out about her research back in the um, the when I was doing more research on statins. By the way. She's a brilliant lady, okay? And so, uh, and look at, just look at her website and she has presentations, PowerPoints galore that looks at things like Roundup, by the way, too, that's glyphosate, looks at aluminum, looks at statins, looks at, at vaccines. She's a brilliant lady. She's been at MIT for her entire career, which is decades. Um, smart, smart lady. And this part of the reason I have to bring up the lady thing is because we actually, are this coming March 8th, we are actually taking a vacation, uh, um, making it a vacation day, um, uh, excuse me, a holiday um, at uh, Middle Path Medicine so that the women can go to the Women's March um, and they can stand up for women's issues. We need more feminine healing in the world. Um, we need to develop feminine, by the way, the yin of the world, the feminine of the world, the terrain of the world, whatever way you want to look at it, has been so overblown and just pummeled by a masculine-oriented attack-based medicine system, attack-based terrorism system, attack-based cancer system. I could go on and on. Um, we need the balance. Remember, it's not that men are evil. It's just that this is an imbalance in the world where we're attacking things. We need women to stand up for their health. We need it's so important for their children. Don't get run over by your doctors and forced into vaccine schedules. Um, women really have to claim power in this world or we end up with what's happened out there is, um, is, is 
again, almost too horrible to think is possible. Um, and, and something as simple as standing up for your children and understanding that you don't need to give vaccines, no matter what it takes to do this. Um, uh, standing by your principles are so important. Uh, the, um, and, and, and understand all of science is really behind you. And if you feel this, the weight of the attack by the media, all media, by the way, okay, um, uh, the, the, and see how religious people are about this, you realize they're not science-based, okay? That we have come a certain degree of orthodoxy or religious religiosity to these vaccine things that are completely not mandated by the science of them. And when you see it being forced into our children, for, think of it, everybody, forced injections into our children, and you think that that's America, oh my gosh. Now, <laughs> sorry, but- Well, it's a much different America than I was living in, you know, when I was a baby and, and, and why were, there were a lot less incidences of autism then. In fact, we didn't even know anyone with it. Exactly. And that's the epidemic of our days and everybody's attention has been taken away. There's however many hundred cases of, uh, of measles a few years ago, and they think that's horrible. When again, uh, it's the numbers are staggering. It's going to be close to 80% of boys in 15 years that have an autism spectrum disorder. That's like nearly every guy, okay? And 20% of gals, uh, the rate of autism spectrum disorder, by the way, is four to one male to female. Um, so that's why that number is so high. And obviously that translates to 50% of us. So is there a collective multi-billion industry there creating neurological dysfunction for some reason? And, and again, there might be some reason, but all I know is it's happening, and we can just step up and say, gosh, let's bring back the feminine side of medicine. The terrain is the most important thing. I am going to feed my kids real food. We're going to get my kids outside as much as possible and in the real world. And yes, when it comes time to face infection, I'll use herbal medicine. I'll use vitamin D. I'll use vitamin C. I will be with my naturopathic physician, which is who your kids should be raised by. Um, and so, and if I ever need emergency care, broken bones and things, that's when I access the Western medical philosophy because we do do a great job in terms of acute care medicine. Um, it's the chronic care that everybody has to question. Um, and it's science is behind you. And I understand you're facing a religious fervor from people who want to believe in vaccines. But remember, vaccines really aren't a belief system. They're just science, okay? Um, and you have science behind you. Um, and when I say it that way, if you haven't read Suzanne Humphrey's book, Dissolving Illusions, do so. Some of this may be past what you want, want to look at. If you haven't looked at the Vaccines Revealed series, look at that one. Um, if you haven't read the Neil Miller book, uh, um, I Like Miller's Review of Critical Vaccine Studies, then please do so. Because, and I'm especially focusing on children, this is true for adults too, if you're going to choose to inject drugs into your children, especially 72 drugs um, um, before they go to school, shouldn't you think about that a little bit? And no, I'm sorry. You just can't trust your doctors who have now become primarily the dispensers of the CDC, the, um, the Council for Immune Practices, the um, uh, Immunization Practices, uh, we are the, the the average doctor doesn't evaluate science. Um, 
Uh, and I'm not saying that to be mean to doctors. They just, because of insurance companies and how fast they have to see everybody, um, they do not know how to read research. And so you cannot trust your standard doctor um, to be able to be the one who gives you the recommendations about vaccines. Because they're not deciphering the research from a proper standpoint to begin with. So their answer and assessment is not going to be fully rooted in the truth versus someone who's been really trained and has the experience to read and assess and uh, research. That's why we need the functional medicine doctors and the rest of the naturopathic physicians out there. And you have to have a bunch of people, um, you know, L, I, I don't know if you know this. I mean, we started, you know, providing vaccine exemptions since the the horror of the California immoral vaccine law um, uh, to provide biological bases. So if a, a parent now wants to say, I don't want to do these vaccines, um, they can see us and we um, we can order certain tests that talk about an increased risk of reactions to vaccines. To be quite honest with you, almost everybody has some of the genes that cause these reactions. That's why it's all out there, by the way, people. It really isn't a genetic problem. It's a vaccine problem. <laughs> um, uh, the, so there are ways to get an exemption if you feel strongly about some of There are ways of, of, of doing this. Now, be clear, within the first several that we did, we were already dragged to court over one of them, okay? Um, and, and we stood up and we did it for people because um, – and the court really – they don't have the ability to assess, uh, um, you know, the the science behind these things, nor are they intended to. But it, nobody likes being dragged to court over anything. So that's why very few doctors are willing to stand up and say, "I will do this for my patient," because they're afraid of lawsuits. Understandably, I don't want them either. By the way, but um, we have to make decisions for our patients and be on an advocate for their own health as compared to. Um, towing the line, which is what the average physician does, and they will just follow the the same doctor who's prescribing statins to all his patients with a certain cholesterol is every bit as dangerous as the pediatrician who's just following the vaccination recommendation. And then you just start to see as the average physician has really become sort of like the mechanic, a dispensary of information that is basically not it's gotten through corrupt sources. Our me entire science-based system for medicine has been corrupted. And of course, it's true for the vaccine system. And the thing for everybody to understand, since there's no liability since 1986, the vaccine system is by far the most corrupted of any of the other systems. And we know how corrupt the pharmaceutical industry is and how much power they hold in terms of the entire media. Remember, something like 70 to 80 percent of funding to, the, to your media comes through the drug company. And if you do anything they don't like, they will pull their money, which is basically the basis behind all of these things. These recommendations are based on. That's profit. right. You, you, I want to touch on that briefly. You talked in our book when we were having a Q&A in the back there about thyroid and you mentioned how, like, let's say you're at a university and you just start a research project on something that a funded research project on another drug and Correct. you're, you know, going to do it against it. They'll shut down the other funding. They'll just say, don't do that. Yeah. They'll shut down the entire university if they need to. That's right. So if they don't agree with what your project is, the entire university will have any funding from any other project pulled as a threat so that you don't do the research. So we, right, so you can't you, even do the research. You can't right. even get it done because the bigger pharmaceutical company who's sponsoring that university is going to shut you down. You don't even have the opportunity. And if it gets done, just like they showed at the CDC, even if it, the studies get done and it doesn't show the connection they want, they will manipulate the data. They will suppress the data. They will destroy the data. All these things have occurred just to make sure 
and the remember the guises that's they're doing it for public health. They're not. They're doing it for profits. And I don't. I hope you, if you hear my voice with that, I'm not. Why would I get upset over people doing things over profit? I mean, it's killing probably hundreds of thousands of people. But you know. <laughs> but well, d- death for death for profit is a little bit of a, a little bit of a different. Be clear that it's still just the profit motive, and people insulate themselves from their actions by justification. So I always tell people why addicts the the smarter the person is, the better an addict they are because they have more ways of rationalizing the behavior. Um, these people are, tend to be very intelligent, and and once even they're confronted with the what they're doing. They can come up with such ways of, of rationalizing it um, that they continue to do it anyways, and it's a self-interest thing because it's just people involved, and that's why it's not – when we talk about you know trying to get women's health and do the women's march, it's about what we're for. Let's go back once again. When we're trying to promote a movement, let's be for something instead of being against someone or something, okay? Um, Absolutely, because the more you resist, it persists. And and when people, you know, Mother Teresa famously said, I won't attend an anti-war rally, but if you have a peace one, I'll go to that. It's the same concept, okay? And so that's what we have to do very well. Be very clear, L. Everybody knows hate motivates more than love, okay? So why is the hate movement so strong and so effective is because it's a powerful, energizing force. Um, uh, and and love hasn't been powerful enough at this point. Um, and said, so at that point, like, so that's what I'm trying to get across with this vaccines. Vaccination is an attack on your immune system. It's an attack on you. Um, and you have a right to choose that if you want, um, or you can kind of love yourself to health. This is the basic thing. Should we kill the Huns or should we prevent the Huns from getting into my body? And the answer is a little bit of both, okay? Um, and so so we need to focus on this. And then once you realize that, wow, my kids are being fit, and you know, Suzanne Humphreys talks about visiting with uh, unvaccinated children and how much healthier they are, and the statistics point this out again. Remember, these kids have high rates of infectious disease, uh, not just the autism spectrum disorder. The, the argument, by the way, about herd immunity has been shown to be unequivocally untrue. The more vaccines your child gets, the more infectious diseases they get and give to the other children. You could make more of an argument that vaccination causes more diseases, not the ones that you're getting the exact vaccine for, remember? Um, it's something on like 90% of the respiratory illnesses in the year aren't influenza. So you get the influenza vaccine, get vastly more of those other 90%. And then subsequently speaking, you're exposing the children. So the people getting these vaccines thinks you're the criminal because you didn't get them, whereas they're actually doing unwittingly, Manju, we don't need to protest them. Uh, unwittingly, they're the ones creating more disease in the environment. Okay, um, And then, of course, they'll just say, well, let's get a vaccine for whatever those things are. And it, you realize we've gone into the spiral. Uh, um, right. It's just what happened with the chickenpox vaccine, right? Chickenpox vaccine works to a certain degree, but unfortunately, it decreases the circulating amount of virus out there. So now we have vastly more shingles in the world, which is a much more dangerous disease. So what did the chickenpox vaccine actually do for the world? It created much more varicella disease. Varicella, I'm sorry, is the virus. Uh, the varicella zoster virus is the chickenpox slash shingles um, virus. So, and, and of course, that goes into almost everything else. The more you attack something in the environment, you don't, you, it's just, again, you know, you know, I correlate this. If you attack Saddam Hussein, who's a bad man, you get ISIS. If you attack one virus, you get much worse viruses. So this attack mentality always, almost always causes more disease even if it does prevent a few things. So we look at the short-term benefits and go, wow, we got rid of a bad guy. And then we kind of go, oops, 
Who would have ever guessed we created this? It's easy to figure out. Um, once again, right, and there's the holistic functional medicine, integrative physician, naturopathic. You know, people who are going to look at the roots and look at cleaning up and correct. making your immune system as strong as strong as possible. And there really is, um, it, it really is possible. There's and there's very few reasons to go on the attack. And be very clear, vaccines are kind of an attack on your immune system. They can have a role sometimes. People ask me, you know, because I have a grandkid now, and the first, the only I, I did for my grand, uh, my son, my son Max, and and his and wife Kian, I have a beautiful little granddaughter named Linnea, Linnea Quinn, um, and I gave them, I gave them the Dissolving Illusions book. I'm guarantee you they didn't read that one. Um, <laughs> <I> gave, <laughs> yeah, like your kid's gonna take any of your advice, even though you're a doctor. <laughs> I gave them the little thing on vaccines: are they really safe and effective? Which is like a cute little v- version of the Neil, it's a Neil Miller book, um, and I said, make your own decision. But please don't do the hepatitis B vaccine. It makes no sense. And, and you know, because this kind of goes into too many people. You can obviously see how passionate I feel about these things. I still want my son to have the right to do a vaccine on his kid if he chooses to, because that's the difference between essentially the progressive of the world and the conservative of the world is the progressive wants the choices out there. The conservative wants to make the choices for you. So we need to have this progressive mindset where we understand there's risks and benefits in the world, but the choices still have to come out there that we we ha- I don't want to make these vaccines illegal. That's kind of my point. I want them. Of to- course, and you, and they're, they're they're valuable to some degree. Some of them. They have some value, much less than they've been sold to us. So it's and and now we're in a world where we can get all of these things. Go to the Stephanie Seneff site. Go to the Vaccines Revealed site. Go look up the Neil Miller's books. Please do something. Yeah, we're going to put all of these links. Actually, I'll, I'll have you send me a website. We'll put these selected links in the show notes so that people can just click on them. And I want to, you know, put out there that last comment you made, which is, you know, yes, you know, here's the books. Here's the thing. Make a decision. You're not. No, we're not saying don't for you. Whatever's right for you. Correct. But here's the thing: you don't want. You don't want to look back later in life and go, "Did I make an uninformed decision?" Thank you. You know, at least you can feel okay about your decision, whether it backfires or not. If you went and went through the proper channels and did your best, your best at your level of intelligence to seek out the answers. That's what you should do for your children, no matter what it is, right? The proper school to go to, the vaccine. So that's all we're saying is really look into this and we will arm everyone uh, with the information on, on the, and, the blog. And we'll don't forget the Cochrane database, which is, let's say you don't want to look at these things from these very intelligent people who give what people call an anti-vaccination status. And, and please, anybody out there, I am for the understanding of vaccines. I am not anti-vaccine. You might think based upon what I just said, I'm anti-vaccine. No, I'm very much for the understanding of vaccines. When my um, and just give one example, my son went to Kenya a couple of years ago, and he hadn't gotten chickpox. Unfortunately, naturally, I never gave him the vaccine as a kid. But when he went to Kenya as an 18-year-old, I said, "You need to get the chickenpox vaccine because it can be a very serious illness as an adult." And I made the choice to do that. I could be wrong about that, but I, I did choose to do that with him. Um, and so there is a role for vaccines, especially as we get older in life, especially if we haven't been exposed to certain things. I do think there is a role for vaccines. It's just not nearly the degree that we've been sold. Just like anybody's heard me talk on the statin drugs, there's a tiny role for those drugs in the treatment of acute cardiovascular disease. 
the rest of the, the role for the, the 90 plus percent of people taking them, actually it's causing more damage than good. So, And they could reverse their situation through living a paleoprimal diet like a lot of people have who didn't have to go on statins. So they're not, they're not even trying the other. Yeah. Right. The paleocardiology guy has done a great job. I'm sorry, I'm blocking on his name, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, there's all this stuff out there. So, and once you go into this, and that's why I think the flu vaccine, look on, on Middle Path Medicine at the, the vaccine trials there that goes to the Cochrane database. And it's very important if people can just look at this one thing, okay, um, uh, the, the, the flu vaccine, and understand how much data supports not using it, but there's this universal recommendation, including mandating it to healthcare workers, which, been, which is, once again, once you hear mandating something and injecting a drug into someone, because that's what this is, then you know it has to be wrong because that's immoral. Okay, so we're mandating these things on you. Okay, and so um, and so once again, without the science to prove it, then you start to realize, wow, this is one vaccine, just one, where there's a lot of evidence that it's not good, and it has many. Even if you don't think it causes all the danger, it has many biologically plausible components to cause serious brain injury, okay? So why would I do that without any benefits? And then then why is a doctor recommending something that causes so much potential damage without their benefits? And, and if you make that leap, then you'll have to say, wow, if they're doing it for this, they could be doing it for all of these vaccines. It's And I'm hoping soon the, the house of cards that the CDC is will fall and we'll realize how much of this has been done to the public and we'll and then all of you will have the basis to at least question this entire vaccine schedule for our kid. And be clear, be, question the Pneumavax, question the Prevnar, question the, the influenza vaccine. Um, can I just do one side thing? You know, the Pneumavax was the pneumococcal vaccine, and there was 23, 23 aggressive strains of pneumococcus. This is a bacteria that causes one kind of pneumonia and other infections, by the way. Um, and so, and for a while, it seemed to be working great. There are hundreds of variations of pneumococcus, by the way, and what happened is many more strains started acting more and more aggressive once we decreased the rate of other strains in the environment. What this basically means, people, is when you decrease a one bad gang in the city, the other gangs will start taking over the turf. And that's exactly what we saw as a rise in more severe infections that were occurring almost completely negating the value of the, the Pneumavax. Now they're telling you to do the Pneumavax and Prevnar, which is a second pneumococcal vaccine. So I, you can predict very easily within several years that more and more strains will be acting more and more aggressive. Because once again, when you attack something in the world, you will get blowback. Okay, And that's what's occurred. The vaccine schedules are creating more and more severe disease, which, of course, we can create more and more vaccines to, quote unquote, protect you from. But it's seriously just a multi-billion dollar industry trying to get you afraid of something that if you just had a healthy lifestyle, even if you were to get these bacteria, the pneumococcus, they'll cause a fairly mild disease. Um, but if you don't take care of yourself, you can get a severe disease. So it's partly true that if you're unhealthy, you ought to consider more vaccinations because that's actually quite true. The risk to benefit ratio changes. If you're eating Twinkies and sitting around watching you know, TV, <laughs> I, yeah, you got to think about this stuff. Hey, listen, you know, we know about the Twinkie defense. Don't eat Twinkies. You might kill a, you know, a politician, right? <laughs> that happened back in the Harvey Milk days. That was Correct. the Twinkie defense. Right. So don't eat exactly. Twinkies. Exactly. So, you know, but that's what the whole point is. The risk of the benefit, benefit ratio does change everybody. 
Wait, and by the way, that was a preservative, wasn't it? Right. It was a preservative in the Twinkies that they claim led to that. So again, right. you know, we're the same thing. The preservatives will mess up your brain. Preservatives will, by the way. So that's the thing. What's the worst part of the Twinkie? Is it the hydrogenated oil? Is it the, you know, the wheat, the whatever, the, the sugars? You know, the answer is yes, of course. That's the whole thing with these vaccines that you're mainlining is there's so many potentially negative things that the risk to benefit ratio has to be very clear, you know, clear and present danger, as they talk about, for you to take the risk of doing some of these things, you really should be aware of what your risks actually are. That's why I recommended those books is to see what your, how much the mortality of all these diseases had almost flatlined long before vaccines so that you understand that the fear basis of these things, the data that the CDC uses for how many people die from pneumonia is is, is criminal because it's not true. Um, they even know it's not true. They just use it to sell the vaccine. So, so be very clear. It's one of those things where get out there, people. Um, hopefully, you know, LU should have an extraordinarily intelligent uh, population of people. Um, with something as important as this side of medicine, they really should be educating themselves before they do any and all vaccines, okay? Um, because there, it's about injecting a drug into your body, and you should be just as intelligent about whatever drugs you take in your life. I mean, and as Remember, it's not about calling them bad. It's not about even making the pharmaceutical industry into something evil, even though they have actions that are evil, by the way. It doesn't. Take- well, and also they're saving lots of people's lives. I mean, they make thyroid hormones. They make, there's so many insulin. You know, there's, of course, there's benefits. Yes. No one's disputing that. That's yeah. the whole point. These making something into something entirely evil is wrong. That's not what we're talking about. Now, can a, can a company who makes, Synthra, I don't remember who makes them. Is it Pfizer? Um, uh, I think so. I'm not sure. Can, can they have a, a vaccine part of their thing that does horrible things? And the answer is yes. So Right. So they're do, they could do both good and bad. It's not – That's yeah. why the carte blanche labels don't work. What it is comes down to is the groundswell movement. And it's going to have to be a feminine movement, L. Um, as you know, I think my, most of my – the, the I, you know, as a young male physician, most of my gurus tended to be male – oriented because that's who I aligned with. In the last few decades, it's almost entirely looking at feminine energies, trying to balance out, which was a strong, you know, Western male-oriented form of medicine with some sort of natural feminine base of medicine. Now, I know these distinctions are somewhat superficial in terms of what is femininity and what is masculinity, but I'm talking about as energies as we understand them in the world today. Um, and so, and yes, uh, please women march and go out there and show show your strength in what we do best by the way we <laughs> i just call myself a woman right there um it was funny. My, my wife went to a new moon ceremony. This I love time. having a feminist male doctor. So, you know, my wife went to a new moon ceremony and I said, you know, this really is for women. I know it's about feminine energy. And so you really need to go without me because, you know, you don't need guys there. Um, and <laughs> because it's true, even though it's really not truly just a feminine ceremony, the new moon ceremony, which I encourage to all women. And, and, and it's a good time for women to get together uh, as well because we need we need that the the rise of the feminine based medicine the feminine based policy approaches the feminine based everything um, to help balance which is somewhat imbalanced in the world and that's where these that's where these recommendations come from by the way it's more fear based and masculine attack based that we see these recommendations and it doesn't make men bad that's not the point of this discussion um, and uh, but we do need to see this kind of 
terrain-based medicine, okay? Remember, one of the first things I did is quoted Claude Bernard, which is obviously a guy, about the terrain being everything. If we make the terrain everything, then all these things out there – and by the way, this includes people using Purell as hand sanitizer and all this other stuff, this nonsense that we're doing. That this Take away this fear of the environment. Start to understand – the, the world of biology out there is little messengers of hope for your body because actually most infections can be looked at as little messengers of hope that you could welcome into your body, get a cough, a flu, a, a, a fever, and a sniffle, and get so many profound benefits that the understanding of them, if you take care of yourself and these infections in the world that everybody's so scared of, including the measles of the world and everything else, there's in, by the way, and this, there are entire populations in South America that have been infected with polio and they have zero evidence of paralysis. So any of these viruses that have been vilified actually can be great little messengers to our immune systems and to our long-term health. And this great understanding of the world as being not separate from you, because in the end, that's why most of my practices end up being meditative and spiritual-based, is this great delusion that there's an outside out there and an inside in here. And, and in many ways. Right. And our bodies are working with the environment. They're working for us not to see it as an enemy, not to see it, see it as a helpful thing. The dirt, don't wash off that dirt, right? It's not an enemy, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and so, so go out there and get dirty. <laughs> well, it sounded funny now that I said that. But <laughs> hey, I like it. And, and, but we mean that in all ways. I, I actually um, do. Yes. More mud rust for everybody. Um, that's right. No, I think this is great. I want, I need to, sorry, I have to, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up because, um, uh, I know I'm running on too long. I apologize. Uh, no, I think that's a, that's a, such a great assessment. It's a good introductory, uh, assessment into vaccines. We're going to put all of the show notes of some of the people you've talked about on our blog so that everyone here listening to this can go back and click on these links and start to do some of their own research that you suggested. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time on, you know, this. It's such a controversial issue, but it's so important. And I think I think we got to the heart of it. And I think that at the very least, people will just re-educate and, and press the education before making these decisions. I would hope so. And I appreciate everybody out there who's willing to have the strength to stand for science, for stand for, you know, the understanding of these things, because you will get blowback. You will get people who are trying to tell you that you're hurting them or you're killing babies. Seriously, these things have happened, you know, and, and because if you take a stance that is different than the orthodoxy, you will get blowback, everybody. But it's worth it because this is your children, especially, that we're talking about. So um, please take uh, take these steps and go to the links that we'll I'll, – I'll send you some links, Al. Um, and so and, – and make these decisions at least consciously. Thank you so much. Have a great day, and thanks again for joining us, Dr. Forsman. All right. And just love you all. So take care. You too. Bye. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here. And I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching but have been held back by worries, such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching, and we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. 
The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.